It's June 2nd, and this past week, parents in Burnaby, B.C. protested against a new policy in schools that would support gay students. These parents claim that the proposed policy places too much emphasis on an issue that affects only a few, based, I suspect, on the statistic that only 4% of the world's population is gay. Supporters of the policy claim that it is time that schools begin having zero tolerance for attitudes that are anti-gay. They say that some students who are same-gender attracted don't feel safe in school and that there is a higher rate of suicide in that population. Now, I can't speak for public schools in British Columbia, but I have been to many Catholic schools in Ontario, and these places, in my opinion, are very inclusive. They have anti-discrimination policies, they have anti-bullying policies, all name-calling is wrong, no matter the reason. So, in a way, I do understand, at least with Ontario, why someone would object to a proposed gay-straight alliance club, for example, clubs that work towards creating a safe environment in schools, when Catholic schools are already inclusive. So, why have an inclusive club inside a school that is supposed to be an inclusive club itself? And why distinguish between including gay students versus immigrant students or students with disabilities or anyone for that matter. So, while this is a problem in some schools and for some students, I can understand why some parents would be concerned with the proposal. I do think that anti-gay comments and behavior is completely unacceptable and that has to be taught in schools. But I don't think that we need clubs that will emphasize that problem over other discrimination issues. I think that the way to go, at least with Catholic schools, is to make the whole school one big club that is inclusive, but one that is also true to the dignity of our sexuality. As for public schools in Burnaby, absolutely, have your policies. If people don't like them, put your kids in a different school. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. We have a great show for you today. Jillian Cantor will join us with What Our Kids Teach Us. And that's in about 20 minutes. And Chris Dimitrenko is here with our news headlines. Pope is in Croatia. Yes, the Pope is in Croatia. Um, we'll be talking a little bit more about that next week once that trip is wrapped up. Right. But earlier this week, he was talking about a crisis of indifference. I'll be explaining that a little bit later. Also, Quebec parents are fighting back against yet another controversial government policy. And finally, some traditional Anglicans in Toronto know what they're getting for Christmas. Okay, well, that's good. Mm -hmm. Details about those stories coming up, and I guess no details about the Holy Father's visit to Croatia, because it's happening. So you can find out those details on TV. Um, do you ever get, Chris, people attacking you about the church, you know, like making comments about Galileo or about the Crusades or the Inquisition? Or... Oh, for sure. It's it's the same old, you know, exactly. historical baggage. Exactly, mm -hmm. right. So, And I think a lot of people just, first of all, either they believe that those claims are, are true and they just accept them, or some people just can't have that conversation. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm sure you know who Michael Corrin is. He's of course. author mm -hmm. and broadcaster. Uh, um, he wrote a book called Why Catholics Are Right. 
And it's a book that really addresses a lot of those questions. And, and I think it's a, a good tool for Catholics to learn how to have those conversations. So I'm going to be speaking with Michael Corrin uh, in the second half hour. So that's going to be, uh, I'm sure, an exciting conversation mm -hmm, if mm -hmm. anybody knows uh, Michael Corrin. And uh, we're going to meet a lovely uh, young singer. Her name is Serena Payton, very talented young woman. Um, she's a singer-songwriter. She has a special place in her heart for certain charities, but particularly for veterans. So mm. she does all these Remembrance Day events and, and, and things to do with the war, which is really interesting. So um, she's going to also join us in the second half. And we're going to begin with a song from her, uh, Serena Payton, from her album Remember, Remembrance Day. The song is called You Are Here. No greater Payton with You 
are here. We're going to be speaking with Serena in the second half of the program. And in about 15 minutes, what our kids teach us with Jillian Cantor. But first, Chris is still here with our news. Well, Pedro, we're going to begin in Quebec. Now, Canada, we're known for our ability to accommodate different cultures with minimal drama. But yeah. in Quebec, there have been some issues some of them involving religious minorities, others involving religious rights for Catholics. In the most recent debate, it's both. A new policy by the provincial government prohibits religious instruction in daycares that are subsidized by the government. But a group of parents is fighting back in court. Jewish and Catholic parents want a Quebec Superior Court to declare the guidelines unconstitutional, these guidelines that are prohibiting religious instruction. They feel that religious values are essential in early education, and so they are protected under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Hmm. This is their claim. And the president of an association of Jewish daycares says the policy is also too vague. Daycare workers won't know when they've crossed the line. And they've given some examples of what may or may not be allowed. Under the new guidelines, it seems that you know, yeah, you can talk about Moses being rescued from the Nile, um, uh, but you can't talk about the ten plagues that were inflicted on Egypt because God caused those flags, uh, plagues. Rather, You can talk about the flood, the great flood, but you can't say that God told Noah to build an ark. So there's parts of these stories that maybe you can say and other parts that you can't. Uh, now, this will affect about 100 daycares that have religious affiliation. And the Minister of Education in the province isn't backing down against this court challenge. She says that parents who want to send their children to a daycare with religious instruction, they can, but the government just won't pay for it. In Quebec, parents spend only $7 a day on daycare, and the government covers the remaining amount. So that's about $40 a day. So that's because all daycares, even if they're run by a religious order, are subsidized. Exactly. Correct. Yeah, exactly. that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Now, turning to the Anglicans. Now, just two weeks ago, Pedro, we talked about this. We, were, we reported on a pause in the plans to create an Anglican ordinariate, that is, a uh, structure within the church that, uh, that the Pope has mandated so that Anglicans who want to be in union with Rome can maintain some of their, their Anglican liturgy and traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about the fallout from a leaked email by the head of a traditional Anglican group who suggested that the ordinariate in England and Wales might end up being the only one because of these remaining outstanding issues, uh, particularly that were coming to the fore in Canada. And the situation looked bleak, but now things have changed. Uh, Conciliatory notes ensued from all sides, and now there's word that an ordinariate parish will be established in Toronto. And uh, a priest who has been delegated to visit and mentor a group of these Anglicans who want to join the Ordinariate. He met with a group of 14 of these people on this past Sunday, and they were told that even 14 is sufficient to start an Ordinariate hmm. parish. And he speculated that those who want to enter into full communion with the Church can begin catechetical instructions in September and be confirmed in Advent, all in time for that parish to celebrate its first Mass by Christmas. So people have been complaining about the pace, but it seems like uh, we could see an Anglican ordinary parish in Canada very, very soon by Christmas. Interesting. Now, finally, Pedro, 
You know, there's not a lot of things in the church that maybe warrant the description new. We have a lot of things that are very yes. old in the church, but there is a new pontifical council. That's the pontifical council for the new evangelization. And it's the first yes. ecclesial body uh, approved by this pope. He hasn't wanted to create new structures, but he created this one. And the new evangelization refers to bringing the gospel to cultures that were previously evangelized, but where the faith has waned. Now, the Pope explained uh, some of the major problems that this council must tackle at the first plenary uh, of this new pontifical council, and the challenges are big. The Pope said that the crisis we are living through carries with it signs of the exclusion of God from people's lives, a general indifference to the Christian faith, and even the intention of marginalizing it from public life. Well, how do you fix this? The Pope is asking the Council's members to come up with a plan that particularly involves the formation of new generations. Hmm. So looking to the young people, and he wants clear and concrete signs of action from the Council. Now the Pope concedes that proclaiming Jesus is more complex today than it maybe was in the past, but the mission has not changed. And for the Gospel to get through, he says that it will be convincing and credible if it's backed up by the lifestyle of those believers. So the Pope has given some guidelines and some direction to the Pontifical Council, and the Council now has to come up with a plan. Right. Well, thank you very much, Krista Matrenko, our Salt and Light Radio News producer. If you'd like to comment on anything that you hear on this program, remember, send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara Man. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Next up is Jenna with our diocesan update. But before that... Our Saint of the Week with Lauren. Hey, Pedro. So as we know, the Holy Father is uh, visiting Croatia. He's there this weekend. He's there right now. Right. Um, and specifically, he's visiting the tomb of Blessed Aloysius Stepinaz. Okay. So I'd like to talk about him this Okay, week. so he's a Croatian saint? That's right. Or blessed? Blessed. So he was born May 8th, 1898 in Croatia, completed high school in Zagreb, which is the city that the Pope is visiting, the capital of mm -hmm. Croatia. And in 1916, um, after high school, he went to the front lines in World War I. He was captured in Italy in 1918 and then finally returned home in 1919. Okay. In uh, 1924, he went to the seminary in Rome and was ordained six years later. Uh, after his ordination, he left Rome, came back to Croatia, and there he was appointed the Master of Ceremonies for the Archbishop okay. of, Zagreb of Zagreb at the time. Mm -hmm. So outside of his duties to the Archbishop, uh, he was also active in ministry to the youth and to the poor okay. in Zagreb. So he was well known cool. in the community. Yeah. And in 1934, Pope Pius XII named um, Aloysius Archbishop Coadjutor of Zagreb. Uh -huh. And three years later, when the current Archbish Archbishop died, yeah. he then became the Archbishop of right. Zagreb. Okay. Now, in 1939, uh, he established the first female Carmelite order in Croatia, but he was most known uh, for his opposition to his government during World War II. Right. So 1939 is the start right. of... Yeah, yeah. World War II, but even before World War II broke out, Archbishop Aloysius uh, created an action committee for helping refugees. 
because at this time Hitler was already like before 1939 Hitler was already persecuting non-Aryans who fled Germany and many of them actually went okay, to so Zagreb went to Croatia yeah, yeah. So he uh, did this throughout the war, and it was said that he saved many lives, like even hmm. thousands of lives, through mm -hmm. this, this action committee. Uh -huh. So after the German and Italian invasion in 1941 and the defeat of the uh, Royal Yugoslav Army, the independent state of Croatia was formed, Right. Uh, which basically was a puppet state for Nazi Germany. Okay. So as a result uh, of the Nazi pressure, they... The Croatian authorities um, also began persecuting Jews and other minorities. Right. So, um, Archbishop Aloysius was obviously very strongly opposed to this, spoke out, and wrote many letters to Croatian leaders denouncing these actions. Uh, and, in, and a result of that, uh, in 1946, uh, Aloysius was sentenced to 16 years hmm. of imprisonment and forced labor. Right. So, uh, odd, oddly enough, um, he was sentenced by the then communist government. This is 1946. Because uh -huh. the communists gained control... Um, after the war. In, yeah, in 1945. Yeah. After the Nazi-supporting government, the fascist government. Right, interesting. So he was... He was... Um, Persecuted... Or he was... Sorry. He was sentenced to 16 years because the communist government said he was supporting the Nazi government. Weird. Okay. Bizarre. But he wasn't. Like no. he was totally against it. So totally it was against both. Yeah. In the end, basically, the communist government just didn't like him because yeah. he was also spoken against them. Because he was a priest, probably. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, so of his sixteen years, he actually served five, but uh -huh. then was transferred back to his hometown um, under house arrest because he became very ill in prison. Right. But he was forbidden to perform any of his duties as archbishop. Hmm. And in 1953. He was appointed cardinal by Pope Pius XII and died seven years later. Um, he was 62 at the time, and he was still under house arrest. Wow. Okay, so he was made a cardinal. Cool. Yeah, and then he was beatified by Pope John Paul II nice. in 1998. So that's a Croatian blessed Aloysius Stepinas. Cool. Nice. Never heard of him before. But I have now. Thanks there to you, you Lawrence. Our... Uh, Saint expert, Lawrence Fluco. Thank you very much. Lawrence is going to be back in about 10 minutes with our TV programming highlights, so stay tuned. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. You can podcast our show at saltandlighttv.org slash radio or off iTunes. And to figure out what your kids can teach you, stay right here, because coming up is our parenting expert, Jillian Cantor. But before that... Here's Jenna with her diocesan update. Hi there, Pedro. So, I've got so much for you guys in yeah, this, well, the coming good. weeks here, but we're going to plow right through beginning in Vancouver. If you are single and you don't want to be single, the Catholic Singles Club, St. Paul's Catholic Singles Club, is holding a dinner dance on June the 11th in Vancouver. That's at the Sunrise Community Hall. Doors open at 6.30. For more information, visit the Vancouver Diocesan website. And moving over to Edmonton, Covenant Health is having a conference called Great Expectations. It's on ethical decision-making in healthcare. Their speaker will be Sister Noella Kenny. Actually, she'll be hosting, uh, or she'll be part of a, an episode of Perspective next week here at mm -hmm. Salt Night. She's visiting. So if you want to check out that conference, it's going to be held on June 16th at the Delta Edmonton Hotel. Also in Edmonton, there'll be a men's silent retreat in honor of Father's Day. So that's June 17th to 19th. It's called Sanctum Retreat House near Caroline, Alberta. For more information, you can visit their website at sanctumretreat.ca. 
And Calgary is preparing for an Irish pilgrimage. They're already making plans for the Eucharistic Congress to be held in Dublin. Actually, one of our, our colleagues here at Salt and Light is over there right now mm -hmm. making preparations for the Congress. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, definitely. So if you're interested in joining that group that is making pilgrimage over there next year, you can visit the Calgary Diocese website and get all the info on how you can get in on that trip. And in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, there will be a pro-life annual general meeting. That's the Alliance for Life. And that will be held on June the 9th. It's uh, at 7.30 p.m. downstairs at St. Joseph's Parish Hall. Everyone's welcome. Refreshments will be served. For more information, you can contact the office, the Alliance for Life office. And in Manitoba, there'll be a young adult beginning experience, YABE, it's called, Peer Support Weekend. That's for young people who are grieving the loss of a parent or a changed parent relationship through separation or divorce. Um, this is happening June 10th to 12th in Winnipeg. For more information, you can visit the Young Adult section of the Winnipeg Diocese website. And also in Manitoba, all youth in grade 6 are invited to a night of praise and worship, adoration and fellowship at Notre Dame Parish in Selkirk. That will take place from 7 to 9 on Friday, June 10th. And all are welcome. Come on out and sing up a storm. So in Toronto, there will be a discernment and decision-making workshop. A lot of us could probably use a little bit of help in that area. That's going to be at St. Bernard's Convent um, on June the 10th to 12th. That's the Friday through the Sunday um, all-day event here. For more information, you can call Sister Ursula at St. Bernard's Convent, and she'll hook you up with more information. Mm -hmm. And in Nova Scotia, Project Rachel is sponsoring a Healing Rock Garden event. And this is for all of those who have lost a baby before birth. You're invited to come out, paint rocks in their honor, and they'll be included in a special garden. This will be at St. Vincent de Paul Parish in Dartmouth. Paint and refreshments are all included. And lastly, in Prince Edward Island, the island in the sun, if you're looking for a faith-based maritime family bonding opportunity, you should look no further than PEI, Holy Family Ministries, offering four weekend retreats for families in the Grand River area. Um, daily mass, recreation times, talks, sessions on prayer. If this is something you'd like to propose to your family. You can get more info at hfmpei.com. And that's all, Pedro. Lots. Yeah, wow, that is a <laughs> lot. Well, thank you, Jenna. Um, remember, you can let us know what's happening in your diocese by sending us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. My name is Pedro. You can follow Salt and Light on Facebook and on Twitter. And now it's time for... What Our Kids Teach Us with Jillian Cantor, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Jillian. Hello, Pedro. How are you today? I'm very good. You don't sound too good, though. I am a little under the weather. Okay. But okay. you'll learn all about that when you ask me the key question. What have you learned from your kids this week? Oh, well, Pedro, my kids have taught me a little <laughs> about perseverance. Um, okay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is Henry. You can Hello, hear right Henry. Now. Um, this past week... The whole, our whole family went off to Saskatchewan to visit my whole family. Okay. So we were there about a week and a half, and it's always intense traveling time because yes. there's a lot of people to see that we don't see very often, and so as soon as we get off the plane, it's go time. Yes. Be on your best behavior. Let's meet these people, these people, these people, these people. And so our kids are just along for the ride. And I guess our expectations of them are pretty high, that we want them to showcase how cute and lovely and polite and adorable 
they can be to all these different people that we're going to see in the next week and a half. So right. we want them to be on their best behavior all the time, and that's a lot to ask, especially when you're two and a half, mm-hmm. as Joseph is. So for the most part, they're doing a great job. Um, they're keeping up with us. They were happy when we needed them to be happy. They slept when we needed them to sleep. But during the course of the week, I could kind of see Joseph fading, and I was getting frustrated and like, just feel like, keep, come, keep up with the schedule, Joe. Keep up with the schedule. we got to keep going. We have more people to see and more work to do and whatever else the trip entailed. And then it became clear that both Joseph and Henry were sick, and so we tried to adjust expectations and to allow them some more downtime and just time to get better and feel well. Um, and then I got what they had. <laughs> we got home and I got sick. And I realized, this is terrible. I feel terrible. And I would like to curl up and go to bed. <laughs> so the fact that my boys were able to just keep going, just keep swimming and, um, and to keep up with us and to still be presentable to all the people that we were seeing and visiting was amazing. I'm so proud of them. And it's only in retrospect that I realized just how proud of them I am because... <laughs> They, they were able to do that when they were not feeling well. And now that I know that how bad they now were feeling. Now you know how they felt, yeah. Yeah. So I guess it just helped me to realize, you know, I do have high expectations of my boys. And sometimes those expectations are just not reasonable. And I mm-hmm. need to step back every once in a while and take account of where we are, what is the situation. Um, not that I want to lower my expectations, but that I make them fair and reasonable as the situation calls for. Yeah, that's yeah. They're troopers, these guys. <laughs> no, that's good, and, you, and you're a slave driver. Uh, I know. <laughs> it, 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 that's really, really good advice because we sometimes forget that they're 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 real people mm-hmm. um, who who when they sick they feel just as bad as we feel when yeah. we're sick. Yeah, and, I mean and it's they, hard to yeah. understand because yeah. Joseph still can't really communicate to me how he feels or. He doesn't know how to express that he feels sick. Yeah. Um, and so I still, we're still lacking in that communication. And once he gets a bit older and can tell us that he yes. feels that bad, then it'll be a lot easier. But right now it was just, it was my, I it relied on my observations. And my observations weren't as keen because we weren't at home. He wasn't doing it. Right, and that makes it, makes it harder. And it's yeah. good, it's good uh, how God's sense of humor to make sure that you also got sick. Yes. Like, now you know, Jillian. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's a very so. good uh, advice. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drive your kids sick because yeah. you will get sick too. <laughs> <laughs> and then being sick had nothing to do with Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan is oh, beautiful. Oh, no, Saskatchewan is beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, thank you very much, Jillian oh, Cantor. Um, and hi to Henry and Joseph. Thanks. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace, and she's also a wife and a mother of two, Joseph and Henry. Hello, this is Leonardo DiFilippis of St. Luke Productions. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius and XM. You can read our blog at saltandlighttv.org slash blog. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and figuring out our TV programming schedule is Lawrence, and he's right here to tell us the highlights. So tomorrow, Sunday, June 5th, is the last day of the Pope's trip to Croatia. Right. Um, so as we as we talked uh, about Blessed Aloysius, uh-huh. that'll be one of the events tomorrow, okay. including the Mass and Vespers. And at ves- after Vespers, he visits the tomb of Blessed Aloysius, mm-hmm. and then he leaves Croatia. Okay, and we're covering all these events. Yeah, so best thing is to check out saltandlighttv.org 
for all the details, all the times, all the repeats, or you can just go to your TV guide and scroll through and see when everything is. Great, so closing mass and then the visit of uh, Aloysius, Blessed Aloysius' tomb Vespers, and the departure yeah. tomorrow. So uh, apostolic journey to Croatia tomorrow, last day, June uh, 5th. And Tuesday, June 7th to Friday, June 10th, we have a series of talks on the Pope's Apostolic Exhortation Verbum Domini. Okay. And that's all, all of those episodes are starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. Mm-hmm. So on Tuesday, we have um, uh, Cardinal Wuerl, who's the Archbishop of Washington, D.C. Yeah. Then Wednesday, we have Archbishop Prendergast of Ottawa and Bishop Fabro of London, Ontario. Okay. Thursday, we have a talk by Carl Anderson, who is the Supreme Knight of the Knights of Columbus. Yeah. And then Friday, the last one, is a special Lexio Divina reflection with oh, Archbishop neat. Thomas Collins of Toronto. So that's going to be every night. Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday, Friday, Thursday, Friday. Friday this week. 8 p.m. Eastern, cool. 9 Pacific. Cool. And so if people want more details, they can also check out our website, saltandlighttv.org. Yep. Excellent. And we have a new witness Thursday, June 9th at 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 Pacific. Uh, this new episode is with Simon Cano, uh, who is an experienced right. Holy Land uh, tour guide. Yeah, nice. Good. So that's Witness, Thursday, June 9th, 9 p.m. Eastern, 10 Pacific. Um, that's cool, because the Holy Land is cool. Um, right. do, you know, uh, uh, do you know about World Youth Day Central? Yes. New website? I have heard about so it. So we wanted to tell our listeners about W... So it's wydcentral.org. This is the newest, uh, I guess, initiative from Salt and Light here. It's, it's the place to find everything and anything to do with World Youth Day. We have, uh, uh, if you're looking for a speech or yeah. a message for World Youth Day it's or, or a photo. Well, there aren't that many photos yet, but we're, we're, we're kind of, it's because yeah, it's, it's growing, an, right? Yeah. A it's ton of videos, reflections. We have videos, like, for example, the, the group that's going from Vancouver to Madrid posted a video. So yeah. this is a place that we're hoping where we're going to get like pilgrims, people that go, people that have gone to send in submissions, mm-hmm. articles. There's specific news about Madrid if you're yep. kind of getting ready to go in terms okay. of what the deal, deal is. But it's not exclusive to this year's World Youth Day because when Madrid is over, yeah. the website will still be there and it'll still be kind of the hub for all things World Youth Day. Oh, great. So this is uh, wydcentral.org. And that's also a place where we're going to be live streaming all all our footage, yeah, exactly. and and even more stuff because we're just, we're producing some things that are only going to go to the internet right. from from Madrid in August. So that's the place to go. Remember, um, wydcentral.org. Check it out, um, especially as we approach uh, World Youth Day in Madrid this August. So place to go there, Lawrence. Now you know. Now I you will know what go to do there in your free time. That's right. So thank you. Uh, remember, our listeners, that if you're outside our TV broadcasting area, you can watch all the programs streaming live at our website, saltandlighttv.org. Coming up in our second half hour, Michael Corrin tells us why Catholics are right. And we meet our featured artist, Serena Payton. So don't go anywhere. If you're at all like me, you continually get yourself into situations with people whose knowledge of the church is limited to what they hear through popular culture. Comments like, well, the church is against scientific research, so look at what they did to Galileo. Or, the church has killed and tortured more people in the name of religion than anyone. Look at the Crusades and the Inquisition. Or, how can the church teach us about morality? They're all just a bunch of pedophiles. And do I take it? 
Do I know how to respond to these comments? Do I believe them myself? Well, journalist, author, and TV and radio host Michael Corrin doesn't. And he knows exactly how to respond to such attacks. And that's why he wrote his latest book, Why Catholics Are Right. And to tell us all about it, I'm joined now by Michael Corrin. Michael, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank you so much. It's a very kind introduction. And um, yeah. best book ever written, available at Amazon.ca. <laughs> <laughs> shameless, shameless. Well, anyway, it, it, is, it is a good book. So tell us, why, why is this book necessary? I wish it wasn't in a way. I mean, yeah. I'm very proud of the book, but uh, there's not a level playing field, and, and, and to a large extent, Catholics have been excluded from the public square. It's okay for big boys like uh, the, the two of us, and we can cope with this, but for a lot of ordinary people, they're, they're busy paying the bills, paying the mortgage, looking after their kids, and so on, and they hear there's this grinding, uh, uh, implicit abuse of the Catholic Church. It's often just subtle. Sometimes it's clumsy. Yeah. And they want to respond, but they, they, they don't always have the time to read the books, and they're, they're too busy. What I've tried to do in, I mean, it's only 80,000 words, is to address all of the usual arguments we hear against the Church. And and when people say to me, oh, I've, got, I've got a new argument against the church for you, I always say, no, you haven't. I've heard everyone. Yeah, heard yeah, yeah. Years of talk radio and TV and, and writing. So I, I go through the chapters after an introduction about the, the nature of the title, Catholics and Abuse, Catholics and History, Catholics and Theology, Catholics and Life, Catholics and other stuff. So right. all the, where are atta- what we believe, what we don't believe, the history of the church, just putting the record straight. It's not blindless defense of the church. We've been wrong sometimes, but right. let's make sure that people understand what they're dealing with. So is it? So it's not like an anthology. You don't go to question-answer kind of thing. You're, you're no. looking at, at uh, is it like a historical compilation, historical the, apologetics? There's a chapter on history. I mean, the first chapter's on abuse. I had to put that at the beginning, even yeah. though it's well, quite grotesque, but I had to deal with, with what happened. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm explaining what happened and why mm-hmm. it happened. So let's condemn the wrongdoers, but let's make sure we understand what it really was. Then history, I, I begin with the, the Crusades, Inquisition, Galileo. By the way, when anyone attacks Galile- us on the Galileo issue, you know one thing for sure, they cannot spell Galileo. Right. And, uh, and on the Holocaust, and they move on to ca- the theology, what we believe, what we don't believe, and then let's get this right. And then life, which is life and sexuality, abortion, euthanasia, and gay marriage, and so on. And then the, the last chapter is really a collection of just very small issues I've thrown into one chapter, like the Da Vinci Code and, and so on and, and, and other issues. Is, is it your, ex, your experience, it, it is mine, so maybe, that, that sort of the attacks on, on the Catholic Church are the, are, are, is the last one, the Catholic Church is the last one thing that it's okay to attack or discriminate against? Yeah, I say this in the book, it's the last acceptable prejudice. But yeah. Um, Islam, for example, uh, people are either physically frightened or they simply believe it wouldn't be appropriate. It might be racist. Uh, Judaism, of course, a, a fear of being accused of anti-Semitism. Um, but when it comes to religion, the one religion, you, evangelical Christians too, but Catholics are seen as, as the bad guys. And this incredibly anti-intellectual assumption that the church has always been on the wrong side, on the dark side. And yeah. it, it, it's ludicrous. It's not true. Um, I mean, the Holocaust, for example. I mean, yeah. you know, my, my father was, was Jewish, and I... I've studied this in, in Jerusalem, in original sources, and in Europe. This, this idea that the church was on the wrong side, it was pro-Nazi, is, is horrible. It's a gargoyle of relativism. It's not true. Uh-huh. Pope Pass was praised by Jewish and Israeli leaders uh, all through his life. And when he died, Golda Meir, who was foreign minister of Israel at the time, made this beautiful and moving speech about how wonderful he'd been. It was only when 
it was a concerted attempt to attack him, yeah. that people began to change the story. And in fact, it's, it's Jewish historians like Martin Gilbert and, and Rabbi Dalin today who are, yes. who are saying, this isn't true. He was, he was a great man. He was one of the saviors of the Jewish people. Yeah, exactly. Somebody wrote a play about it, and that's what people know. The deputy, written yeah. by an East German communist, who yes. later became a defender of Holocaust denier David Irving, and this was what made people apparently yeah. come to the conclusion that the Pope was pro-Nazi. It's laughable. Amazing. Amazing. So why do you think that, that, that those prejudices exist? I mean, it's not like there's a conspiracy no. against the church. So why is it? It's not because of, it's not a theological differences that we have, or that people have with the church. Well, those I'm okay with. There are evangelicals, and, and I've heard from a lot of them since the book came out, who, who say, well, where's that in the Bible? And I deal with all those issues, too. Okay. But, but that's fair enough. It's, um, it's other people. It's, it's not a conspiracy, but what it is, I think, is you have people who are anti-Catholic because it, we're the unchanging institution that stands for truth, and that offends many people. We're, we're like a mirror held up to reflect their brokenness, and they don't like it. But right. they've been aided by people who were born Catholic but have become very anti-Catholic. Right. And so they, they add impetus. And then very liberal Catholic, and I, I, mean, I don't mean liberal in the best sense of the word, I mean people who are very much cafeteria Catholics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've also jumped on the bandwagon. So that, that unholy alliance has made it quite difficult. And many Catholics uh, are gentle people. They don't want to respond particularly, or they're too busy to do so. So we, we don't have... You know, most organizations have defense organizations or yeah. respond to attacks. We do have that to a certain degree, but, but um, it's very limited. So Catholics themselves, I think, um, believe some of these claims because that's what we get in popular culture. Well, that's a very good point, actually. That they do. You, you meet people who are faithful Catholic who will still say things like, "Yeah, we should just apologize for all of that." Yeah, and yeah. It, Galileo but, was tortured. Yeah, but whatever. we shouldn't. I mean, there are, I'm not saying the Crusades, for example, were, were great. Oh, they were great fun. You know, they weren't. <laughs> they were. They, they were medieval. It was medieval warfare. It was bloody. It was nasty. But the, the Church, at its worst, has merely been like the culture around it, and generally, it's been better than the culture around it. But the Crusades. Uh, Islam had expanded into the Christian heartlands of North Africa and the Middle East and conquered and, 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 and right. murdered many. And eventually the church responded. It was never an attempt to convert Muslims. It was to make the, the holy places safe. And yeah. just understand what happened. And I'm not saying it was right, but it wasn't so terribly wrong. The Inquisition, well, which Inquisition? There were many. The Spanish is the one that's the problem. And hmm. it was a nation state coming into being. And, and it, again, it, it was wrong. However, there were criminals who would blaspheme merely to go before the Inquisition because they had more chance of a legal support system right. uh, outside of a criminal court. So let's just put this in context and understand that the Church hasn't always been perfect, but it's not the ogre that people claim. Right. So, uh, so I mean, you've already mentioned a couple, uh, most of the issues that you cover in the book. So if people want, like, all the details about the Crusades, the Inquisition, Galileo, life issues, all that's in the book. What is your hope is this book for Catholics? Is it for non-Catholics? Is it for who is it for? That's a good question. It is for Catholics. Now, I mean, it, and and at, at any level, I'm I'm not a, a theologian, but I, I I hope I argue theology in a very popular manner. Yeah. Um, but I'd, certainly, it's for Catholics. I, I mean, the, the, I think the bulk of people who are buying the book are Catholics, and I've been stunned yeah. that actually how many people have bought the book for goodness' sake. But yes. also people who have an intelligent curiosity about Catholicism. Um, those even who are critical, the real haters, they're not going to buy the book. No. And, you know, that doesn't really matter. But I, I, I know, I mean, most of the, the media I have done has been secular media. And I've been surprised how many people have been extremely, um, if not supportive of the book, supportive of me writing it and think mm -hmm. that we should include Catholicism in the great debate now. 
Yeah, interesting. So your hope for the book is, other than people buy it, <laughs> <laughs> what's your hope for the book? Well, I, I don't want to sound too sort of pretentious about myself, but I've had some beautiful emails from people saying, thank you. You know, at, at last, there's something I can read here that's given me some meat. It's intellectualized the instinctive. Mm. I, 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 can, I feel that I can respond, not in a nasty way, but when someone says, well, what, why is it the church, uh, transubstantiation, that's a medieval word. Yeah. Yes, it is a medieval word, but the concept is biblical, and mm. the word was coined merely to describe something that had never been challenged for a thousand years, and the first time it was, the obvious was challenged, we simply had to give it a name. Um, and people said, well, you know, well, well, celibacy, well, that's medieval, that's not in the, in the Bible. No, it is certainly in Scripture, and I right. explain where it is, and, and, and just things like, and you hear this a lot from aggressive evangelicals, where's that in the Bible? But where's the Bible in the Bible? Where's the Trinity in the Bible? God didn't, exactly. didn't leave us God. the Bible. Christ left us a teaching office, a yeah. church. So just, you know, giving people little ways to respond and understand that they're not alone. Yeah, so it's, it's a little bit of, a, a, of something to put in, in, in your toolkit so you can have these conversations, because we need to be able to have these conversations. They're, they're, they're absolutely vital. They really are. It's, uh, there, are, there are too many people who simply want to let it all go or pretend things didn't happen. We have to deal with these issues straight on. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Michael. That's all the time we have. Michael Corrin, the book is called Why Catholics Are Right. I have my own personally autographed copy right here. It's a great <laughs> book, so I do encourage people, go to Amazon.ca to uh, check it out, get your own copy. Michael, it's been a, a pleasure uh, speaking with you and having you on the program. Mutual. Thank you so much. Michael Corrin, he's the author of 12 books. He's a newspaper columnist, the host of the nightly Michael Corrin Show on Canada's CTS Network. Michael also appears three times a week on Sun TV and is also the station's guest host. You can learn all about him at his website, michaelcorrin.com. That's michaelcorrin, C-O-R-E-N.com. And here now is our featured artist of the week, Serena Payton, from her album, Remember, the song, Carry On. You can cry, I don't mind Let your teardrops fall, I will catch them all in my heart You'll always be, take my hopes and my dreams Scatter
was Serena Payton with Carry On from her album La Carissima. When I first heard of Serena Payton, I did so in connection with a Remembrance Day concert. Turns out that most of what she does is in connection with some charity. She has way too many credits to mention here, but you've been listening to her exquisite voice and her beautiful songs. So what more can I say? I spoke to Serena earlier this week while she was in Mexico. Serena, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. So, Thank you so much. So what are you doing in Mexico? I actually just, uh, just finished singing in a concert with uh, a great artist here, uh, Fernando Lima. Uh-huh. He's a countertenor from Argentina and has an enormous following in Mexico. So I was lucky enough that he invited me down to perform with him. Right. And he had another guest actually from Nashville. So the three of oh, us... Nice. Uh, performed in Hermosillo in Sonora and it was an amazing experience. The people were so warm Big and crowd, so yeah. Oh, we had I think over five thousand people really? there. Wow. So and this is not the first time you performed with Fernando in Mexico, right? No, this is actually the second time. Nice. Uh, a couple of years ago I was I was here singing in Toluca in the cathedral uh-huh. and it was it was a beautiful experience, and actually, it was the first time that um, they had had anything musical inside the church because right. they were worried that uh, the music would not reflect actually what the, what God's message was. Yeah. And uh, the concert that we performed actually changed their minds. Yeah. So we were very proud of that and very happy that we could show them that that music really is a gift. Yeah. Um, when I was, uh, you know, when I, well, you and I met, what was it, two years ago? And, and when I first heard about you and uh, was reading up about you, and it seemed that everything you did had, had, had something to do with a charity, that you're raising funds for this or doing something for that. Um, why is that so important? You're not just a, you know, a beautiful woman who has a beautiful voice, who's got great music, but you're doing it for something, for another reason. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, definitely. I just feel that it's so important that I get to do something that I love and I treasure so much and to be able to use that to give back to people who maybe need a fresh start or they need support or they need somebody to believe in them or know that they are loved and that their life is important and they deserve exactly what everybody else, what everybody else does. That's, it's um, I think it's part of why it makes me so happy to be able to do what I do um, and see that that just the, the sharing a little song or sharing a smile or sharing a conversation, that can have such an impact on someone's life. Mm-hmm. And that's why I always try 
to combine it with a charity or with something that really I'm very passionate about, uh, even if it's something like the Lung Association. Um, those are issues that affect people's quality right. of life yeah. and how they're able to to enjoy their their life with their family or their friends and enjoy all of their time and that's so important to me that that we do whatever we can to bring people together and make sure that they know that that we're there to support them. So, so you mentioned uh, that you had sang in the cathedral in Toluca in Mexico and and, and how important that was for you. So is any of this uh, have anything to do with your faith or with your upbringing? Or, like, was it always like that, or did something change for you that, that made you kind of want to give a little extra in terms of your music and your talent? Well, when I started singing, uh, my first experience in front of people was singing for uh, the residents of nursing homes <laughs> and on the Alzheimer's wards. Right. So it was an instant connection for me, and there was never a barrier of age or um, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So I I really felt an instant connection with people and how you could just share a song or, or a memory and you were instantly connected and you mm-hmm. had uh, this bond and, and that was so beautiful for me. And um, I also have sung for, for many of the veterans and that as well is, you know, it's it's such a life-changing experience to to some of the Vera Lynn songs and have them all singing with you. Right. And when I actually started singing cantering in church when I was 11. Right. And it was the same thing that you felt this instant connection from all of the people uh, in the congregation and it was a way of celebrating together and uh, saying that we have something in our hearts that all, that connects all of us mm-hmm. and unites all of us and um Sometimes those things can be different for for every person, but but there are things that are universal. Right. Let me ask you yeah. about the about the veterans, because that's uh, an, uh, is it fair to say that it's an issue or, or something that's very close to your heart? Your Remembrance Day concerts. Um, uh, where, what's the connection there for you? Well, it started off being a family connection. My grandma was in the Second World War and my grandfather as well. Mm-hmm. And it was something that was really important to me to to show them how much they mean to me and show, show them how much all of their sacrifices uh, have changed the world and have allowed every one of us of this generation to be able to live in such a different way. Right. And gradually, as I started uh, doing more and more performances for them, um, all of the veterans have shared so much of their lives with me mm. and to sit and talk with them about their experiences and about the great things that happened um, yeah. in spite of all the tragedy. It, it's really a true gift, and some of them definitely are the wisest and sweetest right. people that I have ever met, right. and I treasure all of my time with them. Mm-hmm. Now, later this year, you're going to be working on a, a new project um, exploring poetry uh, f- from World War One. Is that sort of part of the, 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 your, your ongoing relationship with veterans and Remembrance Day? Definitely. I think it, it really excites me to be able to, to give something different and also 
um, I love poetry and and the history and culture behind these things, and mm-hmm. to to be able to um, unite a lot of different art forms. So it's music and photography. It's so it's so amazing, and it's uh, it really changes how people view that material. So that's going to be a recording, or is it going to be a live event, or both? Uh, well, what we're actually hoping is that uh, we'll be able to tape a concert, a concert special, uh, and then also okay, have great. some of the poems recited and uh, use film footage from that era and uh, photography and really bring to life that, that point in time. Mm-hmm. We have to make sure you let us know about that, and we can have you back on the show. Um, I want oh, to ask. I would love to. Yeah, I, I would. I, I want to ask you a little bit about the songwriting. Um, we've been listening to some of your of your music, and uh, so uh, is there a particular message that I, I know? And I'm asking this. I don't want to kind of harp too much on the remembrance thing, but but your album "Remember" is the one that has the most songs that are co-written uh, by you. Is there that was actually uh, the first time that I had really explored the world of, of songwriting. I had always written before, but uh, I had never really written songs. And so when we were talking about this project, uh, we started writing some of the material mm-hmm. because it was something that I, I was so passionate about. And it really has stayed with me, and I've continued that. And I'm working on some new material right now. And it's it's so beautiful to be able to really express my my heart and my soul in a different way, uh, not just going on stage and and singing and and putting myself into everything, but but also through songwriting, I'm able to do that, and and it's wonderful because uh, I'm able to use both both of the languages that I mm-hmm. I have at my disposal, some yes. English and some Spanish, so. Great, yeah. Um, we have to leave it there, Serena, but it's been really good uh, chatting with you. Um, thank you for your music. Keep doing what you're doing. It's, it, it's great. You're inspiring a lot of people. And uh, have fun in Mexico. <laughs> oh, thank you so, so much. It's my pleasure. That was Serena Payton. If you're in the Toronto area, Serena will be performing this coming Friday, June 10th at the Lower Ossington Theatre. I'm going to be there, so come and say hello. And then at the end of the month, she's going to be singing with the Grand Salon Orchestra at the Brockville Centre for the Arts. You can get more information at her website, serenapayton.com. Here now is Serena with Nunca, which means never, a song that talks about how things won't change until we encounter God.
listening to Serena Payton with her song, Nunca. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Radio programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And that's also where we post links to our artists or guests. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all that we do at saltandlighttv.org. And remember, your one-stop shopping for all things World Youth Day, wydcentral.org. Thank you for your generosity, for your prayers. Thank you, and may God bless you. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio.